and welcome to this week's episode of Deke Geeks, the show where we take a look at the entirety of Deke's back catalogue and attempt to pick out the gems from within. This week we have for you not one, not two, but four cartoons to uh, examine, as it were. We have Super Dave Daredevil for Hire, uh, Stunt Dogs, and also two cartoons we've been putting off for a little while. That's right, it's... Pole position and speed racer racks. I, I I like your enthusiasm, but you didn't introduce who we are. Oh right, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm Avery, and this is Mark. Hello. Hi. Yeah. So yeah, this uh, four uh, cartoons. This episode, we are scraping the bottom of a barrel, labeled stunts. Yeah, basically. Um. Uh, yes, my thoughts exactly. <laughs> I failed to say what I was going to say. But you know what? That works too. Um, basically, normally we would do two in an episode. Yeah, this is a bit unprecedented, isn't it? Um, Four in one episode. But a few months ago, we ran into two cartoons that were so... Dull. Dull. Dull is the word. There is just no other way to describe it other than just... Uh. That we couldn't record an episode about them. Yeah. And it happened again. Yeah, and somehow they're all about stunts. <laughs> so yeah, we figured that it, it was best to just kind of smush these all together into one episode because, to be honest, despite it being four cartoons, it's probably going to end up being about the same length as a usual episode anyway. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> with a bit of luck. Yeah. So with much ado, um, you know what? I'm going to let you choose the first one. <sighs> Fuck it, Super Dave, Daredevil for Hire. Ah, the one you actually have things to say about. Well... Do I have things to say about it, is the thing. Do we have anything to say about any of these? Well, here's the thing. The cartoons themselves, no. The background information, yes and no. It, it's a, it's a bit 50-50 on these things. With Super Dave, we definitely do have things to say on the background section. Uh, the we, cartoon itself... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you ever heard of Super Dave? Uh, no, he's a purely American thing. Uh, Canadian. Canadian. It's oh. a Canadian thing. That, well, he's on uh, American television a lot, that isn't he? Went on to American television. Yeah. Super Dave Osborne seems to be a character created by Bob Einstein. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, who is now more famous for being uh, Larry's best friend in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, I believe he's also in Arrested Development as well. Uh, yeah, he was in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a evil can evil parody. Yeah, basically. That's the entire thing of it. The, the the basic gist of his skits went, Hi, I'm a stuntman. I'm going to do this stunt. I'm going to set up the stunt. Now, when I say this word, you do the thing. And then they do the thing because he said the word. And a dummy sneakily, and I say sneakily, it's the most obvious jump cut possible, takes his place as, like, say, a wrecking ball goes into him or, like, a train rams into him. Like, shit like that. And it's the most predictable shit every single time, and it's genuinely not that funny. Um, they are very slow. The build-up is long, and then the actual stunt, because it's so low budget, doesn't really pay off. No, not in the least. Uh, even when it accumulates into the TV, the um, straight-to-video movie in two thousand, how was he still doing this in two thousand? <laughs> he started in seventy-two. Jesus, that's a long-running character. 
But yeah, he started doing this on um, Canadian television before moving over to America with the series Bizarre and eventually kind of spawned into appearances on Letterman. Yeah, on, well, basically a variety of different talk show, uh, kind of late night talk shows. I believe Letterman was the one where he was actually a recurring character. Yes. After which they gave him his own show for a couple of years. And immediately after that, Super Dave, Daredevil for Hire. So, these cartoons basically take on the form of him doing the stunts, but in cartoon form. It's slapstick antics. Yeah. It's kind of a common theme throughout uh, today's selections, apart from two. It's not really a common theme. Yeah, okay, fuck it. Whatever. Uh, Words are hard. Especially when you're dealing with uh, two, four cartoons that That you can't really say anything about. Yeah, that you're struggling to describe. Yes, yes. Uh, With Daredevil for Hire, it is cartoon antics, basically... Like, oh God, where do we even start? What even well, happens? What like, happens? Super Dave is at, a, is at an event, and there's, like, some random enemy that's just there trying to foil Super Dave for whatever reason. Yeah, super villains. Yeah, and then, like, Super Dave will be showing off whatever machines that his uh, sidekick slash partner, Fuji, has created. We will get on to Fuji. Yeah. Um And, like, oh, something goes wrong and it blows up or whatever, and then it moves on to the next skit, and it's just kind of cartoon antics after cartoon antics. There's, like, nothing notable or funny about it. There is one notable thing in the form of one of the episodes we saw had him doing a sort of faux mailbag episode where he answered, quote-unquote, fan mail, and every time he opened up one of the letters, it um, features like a challenge, like, I want to see you do a 70-foot leap into, like, a pool of water or whatever the fuck, and whatever was written on the letter would actually happen, which became the basis of the main core joke for that episode. Which, yeah, I sort of get that. I kind of like that, the, the kind of nightmare scenario of whatever you see like written out that you read out then becomes reality that's a that's a fun concept for a cartoon uh slightly horrifying for a slapstick cartoon antics thing but you know it's it's fun but the entire show itself is so dull and like uneventful and uninventive that it doesn't really put it to good use other than oh look here's another letter that he reads out and then something bad happens and then oh look here's another letter that he reads out and something bad happens etc 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 ad nauseum yeah it kind of limits itself by being well a stunts show yeah basically it's just a super villain repeatedly tries to stop stunts from going off stunts go off badly but dave succeeds anyway that's the entire premise. It's really annoying too because you're dealing with cartoons. There is so much flexibility to be had with like taking a stuntman character in, from the real life and then transforming him into a cartoon. You could do so much stuff that is just impossible in reality to do. Well, isn't and that part of the that. problem? What? When you take when you give a stuntman character that much uh, freedom to to be a cartoon, don't all stunts become entirely pointless? Oh, yeah, that too. 
Because at that point, all you're doing is, well, how good can we make this look? Well, not very good because we're on a very low animation budget. It doesn't work. Stunts no. do not work as cartoons. And I think we might find that this becomes a theme. Yeah, just today. a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it for the cartoon. We've basically run through the entire thing. Well, there is his sidekick. Yeah, there is Fuji. Uh, yeah. Fuji Hakaito. Uh, from the live action skits. Yeah, this is his sidekick in the actual Super Dave skits as well, just carried over. Also voiced, like, bo- both uh, Bob Einstein and also Fuji's actor, Art Irizawa, like, they step up and voice their respective characters in the cartoon as well. Yeah. You know, that's nice. Not always seen for, for such things, but, uh, you know, yeah. But the character of Fuji uh, is, I mean, the joke is that he is a very eccentric and barely comprehensible uh, Japanese guy with uh, a thick exaggerated accent with a thick exaggerated accent which was I guess okay in the 70s especially as he's being played by a Japanese actor yeah I mean it's it's very much a case of um, a well-known uh, half British actor over here Bert Kwok mm. who is also known for um, he played Kato in the Pink Panther films and he put on an exaggerated accent as well there and he's also done a variety of different adverts throughout the 80s doing that same exaggerated kind of faux chinese accent as well the fact is in my opinion if it is a character you are playing and you are of that uh that racial group it's probably fine Sort of. There are limits in place. As Artie oh, yes. Rizawa found out when um, yeah, halfway through the initial run of the show, uh, Fox straight up asked Artie Rizawa to just change Fuji's voice up because uh, Asian American groups in America said that the uh, entire character was an offensive stereotype. Which, well, here's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Not entirely Artie Rizawa's fault because when it's an actual live-action... Um, man of Japanese descent doing it, then okay, it's a little played up, fine. When it is a cartoon of an extremely comically short Japanese man in round glasses with... Mm. Does he have book teeth or am I imagining oh, that? Oh, God. I, I don't think he I does. I don't think he does. But he look. Other than that, he looks so much like World War Two propaganda yes. Japanese. Yes, characters. extremely so. He, I mean, his eyes are pretty much just interpreted as just either a line or a dot. Yeah, it's, and that's it. Who boy? Yeah. Um, you would have thought they'd have noticed. Yeah, you would have thought, huh? Uh, this is in '92, no less. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's really bad for '92, lads. <laughs> Um, so yeah, halfway through that, that happened, and as a result, Artie Rizawa then re-recorded his voice lines for every single episode, so it's less offensive, but it's still an exaggerated accent. Fox did say that they would recast, uh, Fuji for the second series. There was no second series. No. There was, however, a, uh, a one-off sh- special, which if I can find the whole of, we'll have to watch at yeah, some point. Yeah, the Super Dave Super Bowl of Knowledge, which interestingly has the third iteration of Fuji's voice, where it is just Artie Rizawa 
using his actual normal voice. Yeah, nice to hear Artirazawa's actual voice on that yeah, one. It's, it just sounds like a nice lad. Yeah, you it works. You didn't really need the uh, the comic comedic accent. And to be honest, it works with the character design as well. It's it's just a regular ass accent. The 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 kind of Asian American kind of accent. It's not really got that kind of generic kind of racist accent tinge to it. It's just a normal ass dude, basically. <laughs> it just sounds like any other voice actor. Which is yeah. how it should have been from the start. Absolutely. I, I mean I get I get that they wanted to make it uh like the live action skits, but either rethink your character design or have a long talk about what exactly you're doing audio based i mean it could have been a lot worse for his character design they could have put him in some really gross ass clothes but no they just opted for a cap and like a kind of a a a jacket kind of thing and some jeans basically oh yeah i mean there's i mean both both of uh, the live action sidekicks are in there but art's constantly in there there's also the guy with the mustache who i can never remember the name of who is another comedian yeah yeah but uh and they all provide the original voices but uh they went with the designs that were in the i mean i'd say they went with the designs that were in the uh the the actual skits and then made art erizawa really short yeah is it i mean it's it's certainly not like oh god i mean it's pretty bad i don't think it's like super duper sumo's level of really awful stereotypical racism but it's it's definitely like second place to super duper sumo's for sure yeah it's not great not ideal at all so uh with that one done (laughs) because <laughs> that's really yeah, all we have to say about that <laughs> barely t- talked about it but I mean if you watch the show yourself you'll understand why and uh, speaking of having a short discussion the next one uh, I've picked out here is the one that we watched after Super Day which is Stunt Dogs oh god I I mean you gave up on this one I gave up completely on this one I could not like hold any interest in it after five minutes now normally I would force Avery to watch at least an episode preferably two of anything we're talking about but stunt dogs is obnoxious it's obnoxious it's incomprehensible it is constantly in your face for no good reason the comedy is the most baseline really basic lol random kind of humor that doesn't really work oh god i just is draining to watch. I mean, it's obviously not the most draining thing we've seen ever, but it is pretty damn bad because I just it it doesn't it doesn't keep your interest in any way, shape, or form. Well, it doesn't help that every character is a stupid voice being yelled at you, and also the fact that they have twelve main characters. Yeah, was it twelve? I, it was I don't know. It's quite a lot. It's too many, yeah. regardless, because for every uh, for every member of the stunt dogs, who are, I believe, a movie stunt team who also fight a bunch of evil stunt people yeah, called the stunt scabs, and have a fucking bulldog named Human. So, for every member of the stunt dogs, you've also got the stunt a st- equivalent stunt scab. 
Are you ready for your first fun fact about this show? Okay. We mentioned having too many main characters. Uh, this show was co-created by Jeff Franklin, who is best known for co-producing Full House. Oh, is that why it's called Full House? I'd imagine so. I've never seen Full House. I get the feeling it was called Full House because there's a lot of folks in it. Yeah, that'll make sense. Sitcoms. Uh, we did. Uh, did we even get Full House over here? Uh, I have no idea, but I do know it's now available for your streaming services. And it's that's... on Netflix because yeah. they did Fuller House. Yeah. But I've before seen, then, was I've it even? Witnessed your mum just absently watching it and just uh, going like, "Why is your mum watching Full House?" Um, due to some fascinations with me with the uh, the twins, um, the. Olsons, is it? Oh, yeah. It will be. Wouldn't it be the Olsons? I imagine it's Yeah, them. it was the Olsons. Yeah. They both played the same character. Yeah. They did. Mary Kate and Ashley as Michelle Olsen. As Michelle, whatever the fuck. Stunt dogs. Regardless, stunt dogs. Um, it's, yeah, it's obnoxious. Yes. I keep saying it's obnoxious, but that's how, I mean, basically how you describe it. It doesn't help that it only currently exists in the English language format from recorded uh, VHSs. With the introductions cut off and about three seconds of the commercial breaks. And then also see the fact that the theme tune has a dude shouting, STUNT DOGS! at you in the most ridiculously annoying way possible. Yeah, and then kind of there's this chanted sang theme tune that you can't hear the words to because of all of the extra just, obnoxious cartoon sound effects that they put over layered it's over it so incomprehensible i don't understand it like at, at, at one point in the intro the word plural just appears on screen no reason or like understanding why we assume it's because that word is well, mentioned think, in the theme tune but no other words appear well the because thing of the is, theme tune they uh they say they come up with what dogs is as an acronym, and the S makes it plural. That's the joke. Moving on. Uh, it will con- it, This show constantly throws pop culture references at you. Uh, they're massively outdated by this point, and oh, not yeah. even in a charming way like with, um, like with Elf. Yeah, completely. Um... Another fun thing is that uh, this cartoon is one of those cartoons where there is like a few dedicated fans going about the <laughs> Wikipedia places. So you've got Wikipedia TV tropes and they are just filling it out with this extremely biased information about the show. On the TV tropes page, it states that it has subversive humour. No, no, it doesn't. It does. It has slightly rude humour occasionally. Oh, wow. Okay. But um, subversive I mean, we're talking about a show with a heroic yuppie. It's hardly subversive. And you look at the Wikipedia page, and all of the characters have an, an absurdly lengthy uh, page about them. <laughs> Needham, the main character and level-headed hero of the series with an exaggeratedly large chest and chin. He speaks with a Texan accent and has his own theme, which is played in the end credits in some episodes and heard in an instrumental form throughout the series. Needham's main battle cry is TTKV, which means time to kick butt. Another one of his battle cries is I love being a stunt dog, which he uses when he's enjoying himself, either doing a stunt or following one of Fungus's plans. He drives a six-wheeled monster truck whose name is Oscar, as seen on the tailgate. It has the ability to get through traffic jumps by raising high and thinning the tires and also can fly long distances by riding on its chassis and firing gut rocket engines and from the back, as seen in the episode Calling Dr. Fungus. Needham was named after the former stuntman slash director Hal's Needham. 
That's far too much information. It really is. What it should just say is the leader. Because that's all he is. Richard P. Fungus, an egomaniacal. No, 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 we don't need to know about. Okay, other than the fact that Fungus is the character who gets the most time. Yeah. uh, Like Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, it's one of those shows where the villain is the main character, really. Gets the most time, gets the most comedic moments. The problem is, Fungus isn't Robotnik. No, he's boring. Uh, Fungus's voice actor most definitely isn't. Um, oh, uh, I'm gonna kick myself for forgetting his name. Hence. Oh, Long Arm Baldry. That's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> his battle cry is lights, camera, mayhem. He's also known for excluding I despise him. He hates nothing more in the whole world than to be called Dick. Fungus was originally named to going to be named Peter Bogus. This was originally as a parody of director Peter Bogdanovich. I, uh, I don't know why is there so much information about these characters? For no Presumably, someone reason. got their hands on the show Bible. Yeah, or something like that, or just someone is just an absurd fan of this terrible, terrible show that it's... has zero redeeming qualities. I forced myself through two more episodes. I am impressed with you. What uh, happened? I got a headache. Well, yeah, apart from that. That's pretty much it. Oh, okay. Um, no, I mean, they're they're all just... It's extremely hard to keep track of what's going on because, I mean, you know, one of our biggest cop-outs when we're describing a programme is there's nothing to it. This, there's too much to it. Yeah. Every moment is something and is overlaid with a sound effect and has another joke on and the joke isn't good. What this needed was half of the characters and a lot more polish towards the writing and pacing. Yeah. And then you could probably have a cartoon that was vaguely watchable. This thing is a mess. God. Right, two cartoons down, two more to go. Shall we go for the one we'll have least to say about next? Um, which one would that be? I'd say that will probably be Speed Racer X. Okay, sure. Because this has, aside from being one of these boring stunt shows, uh, it also has the dubious um, honour of being our third anime. Yeah, um, this one is going to have to go in the DNQ list for sure, buddy boy, because this one is actually produced by Tatsunoko Productions, the people who make Speed Racer. Uh, yeah. Although, uh, at the time, it was handled in the US by Speed Racer Enterprises, or whatever they were called. Well, yeah, but this one was created and uh, produced yeah, yeah. by Tatsunoko. It's as uh, uh, Mac Go Go Go? Yeah, Mac Go Go Go. Or, or Mac Shin Go-Go. Mac Go Go Go, yeah. Shin Maha. Yeah. Uh, it is a remake of the original Speed Racer series. But with kind of the 90s grit. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... Sorry, early 2000s grit. It's late 90s. It's 1997. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, this one has a little bit of an interesting history with regards to two points. Um, mainly in its uh, kind of bringing it over to the West. Uh, in 1998, uh, thank you Wikipedia for this, by the way, uh, <laughs> Speed Racer Enterprises planned to release an English dub of the series in the US as Speed Racer Y2K. 
which is a wonderful if name. Only. Oh, Jeez. I love it. Um, now the project didn't succeed, and only the third episode was dubbed. Um, and then Deke's dub, Speed Racer X, uh, li- aired in the US on Nickelodeon's short-lived action block Slam in 2002 and was quickly taken off the air with only 13 episodes dubbed because of a lawsuit between Deke and Speed Racer Enterprises who own the American rights. So that's three for three for Deke uh, anime series that were cut halfway through a season and never uh, dealt with, well... I mean, Cloverway dealt with Sailor Moon in the 2000s, but mm. although I believe uh, the last season of uh, Sailor Moon is only just in the last couple of years yeah. <laughs> been uh, translated officially. Um, Either way, Deke's yeah. history with anime is worse than four kids. Uh, yes, absolutely. Four kids at least cared what they were doing. Yes, they they put effort into their into their work. I mean, they definitely put effort in, otherwise it wouldn't have been so heavily edited. Yeah. They, they di- edited with care. Yes, there is a big difference between cutting entire chunks out and carefully painting out the guns. Yeah. Very delicately making it so that uh, Sonic doesn't say shit in Sonic X. <laughs> because that was an actual moment. Uh, anyway, the the show was pretty much largely unseen in the West after that. Uh, until around about 2017 or so, where Funimation released the entire series under the name Mac Go 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 Restart with English subtitles. I'm assuming it's probably on their archives on their website. Uh, most likely. Uh, but yeah, that was a Blu-ray release, so that's quite nice. And I'd imagine the original one is actually pretty decent. But uh, here, in the Deke version, <sighs> fancy watching half an hour of a dude in a race car going about dull, boring, uninspired environments while people supposedly say that there's a raw action and intense moments going on, but in actuality it is just well, okay, when does this end? Oh, okay, Rugrats is on after this, so... It's a pacing issue again, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's just badly paced. It could be good, but it's just... I mean, I I can't imagine, because I don't remember it being that heavily edited down from how the original was, but I'd imagine Well, there's that, not much to edit out. I mean, yeah, it's Speed Racer. <laughs> the, the dude races fast, hence the name. But, I mean, God, surely the original is more interesting than this. Well, I, th- I suspect it's an example of Lost in Translation. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that the original voice acting probably had more of a sense of... Um, just actual commentary rather than and also conveying fucking excitement yeah exactly whereas everyone just sounds bored in this show yeah it really doesn't work at all well that's our discussion of Speed Racer X I'm so glad we didn't have to drag that one out for (laughs) any longer than was necessary because there really isn't we are bad at talking about we can't what talk Deke about does yeah anime. we can't talk very often about like the more duller kind of deke cartoons very often because there's generally not that much to say we're not good at like on the fly constructive criticism let's put it that way um in some cases we can be very good at it see the time that we talked about the terrible hollywood hounds christmas but when it is just something like this, where it is just mind-numbingly dull and boring, where nothing happens, 
and it is just feels like they mailed it in for a quick book because yeah that's the sort of shit deke did it is hard to really convey any kind of emotions or feelings about it, much like the show itself. And that doubles for the anime because it's like you're examining something with kind of something in front of it and then your lens is blurred. Yeah, basically. Because that's how little of the original product you're seeing and that's all you can really say about it. It's badly translated. It doesn't work in the same way as the original might have done and without being able to see the two directly in comparison which we would not bloody do because i'm not watching that thing again uh, <laughs> there's no real way of criticizing it constructively shall we move on yeah we've got one more pole position the deke cartoon not the video game although it is licensed from the video game God knows why. Uh, yeah, no, well, the name is licensed from the video game. Well, here's the problem. Pole Position is a racing game. The name Pole Position was used under license from Namco, who held the rights to the name due to the video game Pole Position. The show sought to capitalise on the popularity of the video game. However, there is very little in common between the game and the show other than the car-designated wheels being coloured red, as in Pole Position, and the car-designated roadie being coloured blue, as in Pole Position 2. Yeah. That's that's literally the only connection to the video game pole position. Yep. Uh, outside of that, it is its own thing. Yep. Uh, I'm going to let Marky take the wheel for this one, if you don't mind me. So... Somebody didn't do the homework. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if this is also really boring. It's okay. Um... Uh, it's definitely the best one of the four, for sure, because it is a 80s French anime deke audiovisual. Uh, yeah kind of gig but uh, i don't know i couldn't get into this one it's just i love i love the music and that's using the backgrounds it's some gorgeous fm synth work there presumably by shuki levy it's lovely i love hearing that it's really nice bass lines crisp tones on that yeah but outside of that i just couldn't get into it it's just kind of the first things we see is just these two cars racing about on a stunt track of some kind, and there are on-car computers, on-board computers, but you can't hear them over the noise. And, uh, like, every time they appear, it's just kind of... And then that's it. That's all they've said. They've just said a bit of mumbling, and then that's it. <laughs> okay, it reminds basic- me a lot of the character Sherlock from fucking... The Homestar Runner Sweet Cup and Cakes cartoons, <laughs> which is a reference. <laughs> Basically, Sherlock uh, Sweet Cup and Cakes was a surreal, cra- crazy cartoon, as Strongbow put it, uh, that he invented. Basically, just this intentionally wacky and uh, absurdist kind of cartoon, which makes no sense intentionally. Which, actually, kind of thinking about it, is a mockery of a lot of shows that we've watched. Either way, the supposed main character is Sherlock, who is this basically, like, blue blob with floppy legs that can float about. And the way he speaks is exactly like the way that the computer speaks to me. It's just... That's all he says. Okay, the, <laughs> he computer, the computers in this have de- better diction than that. Well, yes, just they, can, that they, they were do... being drowned out by the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, they were just being drowned out by sweet bass lines from the Reminder. Evans. The best thing about this show. Yeah. 
It's um, clearly some like beautiful Yamaha DX7 yeah, stuff going on Yeah, it's just Shooky Levy jamming. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I love it. He's got a new Yamaha synthesizer and he's having a blast using it. Um, yeah, the premise of this one is that two teenagers and two children are now the some sort of crime fighting force called Pole Position. Their parents used to be pole position now they are pole position and in each episode they are assigned a task as pole position to wikipedia to the rescue for you the show features the derrits a family of stunt driving crime fighters who investigated and thwarted wrongdoing while operating on the front of a traveling show known as the pole position stunt show which is sponsored by the united states government in order to give cover for their investigative activity and provide maintenance for the high demand vehicles hold on hold on that is far more detail than we actually get because all we ever get is the intro sequence yeah telling them you like your parents are now the crime fighting division called known as pole position i don't think he even inserts the now the crime fighting division he just says now like your parents you are pole position uh, it uh... The Darrits had two adult children and a third child who was much younger in age. A road accident ended the life of the parents, and the father's younger brother, known as Uncle Zark, took charge of the stunt show. He said that now that the patriarch and his wife were dead, it was incumbent upon the two adult children, Tess and Dan, to continue their parents' dangerous and proud work. Which seems very uh, unfair. Just a bit. Kind of child endangerment. Because these, these, I mean, adults, they're not adults. Uh, supposedly they are they're teens they're uh, the most teens i've seen in a yeah uh either way uh they do stunts and chase criminal yeah that's pretty much everything while some sick synth music plays in the background uh the little girl has a cat uh that... no it is a strange cross between a raccoon and a monkey called kuma okay so some kind of cat yeah <laughs> uh the a little boy He's a nuisance. Uh, no, girl, Daisy Darrett, the younger preteen sister of Tess and Dan. There's definitely a boy as well. No. There are four children. No. Tess Darrett, Dan Darrett, Daisy Darrett, and then Dr. Zachary Darrett, and then Kuma. That's it. Fair enough. That's all you get. That's all That's you That's weird, because there were definitely four in the episode I watched. What was the episode you watched? Uh, a vaccine for all chemical biological warfare was hidden by a uh by the scientist that created it in a dog so the second episode yeah the canine vanishes it doesn't mention a a, a second small child there were definitely two small children it's just the one two small children an asshole teenager boy and a um a more respectable teenager girl it's only one kid Am I making up fictional children now? I think you are. I... <sighs> There's definitely only one kid. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking through these. I, I just searched Pole Position cartoon and all I'm seeing is the one kid. That's so weird. I could have sworn there were more of them. It's just one. Okay. So about, what was the name? Roxy from Street Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's different. Okay. Well, either way. Hey, at least it doesn't have specific uh, racial undertones like uh, the Mandela effect or the Berenstein bears. Yeah. Berenstein bears. Yeah. Um, 
Is that all we have to say on pole position? Um, it's uh, to be honest, yeah, it's it's reasonable. Um, it is vaguely watchable to a point. When they get the pacing right, it's an okay show. But otherwise, it's essentially uh, one of Deke's animes, but without the big overarching plot or the general prettiness. Mm. So if you took the um, the rather slow storytelling of Ulysses 31, uh, it feels a lot like that, but without being able to constantly go... Ooh, pretty! <laughs> uh, all of the cool designs and at the uh, the detail they put into the universe, which was completely unnecessary. Yeah. Uh it. I mean, one of these episodes was about a magician who basically enslaved a town by superstitiously telling them that their gold mine was cursed. These things are stupid. Yeah, that's. An interesting premise for sure. They're practically Scooby-Doo plots. <laughs> it does sound like it, yeah. Uh, at which point you may as well just watch Scooby-Doo because that's a far better show. Uh, <laughs> when Compared did you last to this. Watch, uh, well, I suppose Mystery Inc. was the... Was that the really strong recent one? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway. Either way. Either way. It's time to finally move on to the rankings. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so I guess that leaves the ranking then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, how are we ranking these? Oh, God. Well, Speed Racer X, as I said, has to go on the D&Q list. Oh, yeah, so. that's nice and easy. Yeah, um, we've only got four to deal okay, with Okay, do we think it's better or worse uh, than uh, Deke's version of, Knight of the, Knights of the Zodiac? It's worse. Is Knights it? of the Zodiac is watchable. It's not immediately boring and dull. Fair enough. Power Team is better. Oh yeah, obviously. I would probably suggest that Little Clowns is better, but uh, uh, let's not go there. Speed Racer X is number four on the DNQ list because fuck it. It's not going to be worse we, than Little Clowns. We've got four to deal time. with. Let's just rush through this shit. More than fair. Uh, Super Dave Dev Dev for higher. Um, not. A terrible show. Uh, I was thinking somewhere around the region of Elf the Animated Series. Worse. Worse. Uh, worse than the new Archies, which is a couple of spaces down. I would say Who Vernet's Ernest is more watchable. Really? Yeah. I'd definitely watch more Super Dave than I would Lady Lovely Locks. Yep, okay. Well, okay. there's that. <laughs> uh, next would be... Uh, I guess, stunt dogs. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, this was super obnoxious. Um, but was it Better more... or worse than New Kids on the Block? Uh... We're talking about shows that are absolutely nothing and are obstre- absurdly obnoxious. That's basically the bottom five of the list. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask whether you thought it was better or worse than Ultra Force. Yeah. <laughs> um... It's certainly... New Kids on the Block was more notable. It has more interesting things to talk about. We could actually discuss New Kids on the Block and how garbage it is over Stunt Dogs, which is just... That's fair. Uh, Ultra Force is Ultra Force a bigger mess than Stunt Dogs? Uh, It's just obnoxious, but I could tell vaguely what was happening in Ultra Force. Really? Because that'd be that'd make you uh, the only person who could. Touche. It was more entertaining. 
Uh, it had a character that I liked. Yes, that that does help. Which puts it above. Uh, puts it above by default it had some pacing even though we couldn't work out what the hell it was pacing yeah exactly um meet julie was more fun to riff off barbie and the rockers is about on par with barbie and the rockers i'm gonna say it's above barbie and the rockers i would say it's between meet julie and new kids i'm prepared to put it between meet julie and barbie personally i think it we can talk more at length about meet julie than we can about uh, stunt dogs. But would you watch Meet Julia? Yeah, I'd probably. Watch yeah, Meet Julia <laughs> yeah, again you would. Thinking dogs. about it, yeah, no, you would. It, Meet Julie did. I could quite happily watch through the entirety of Meet Julie because it's a daft, like absurd thing that makes no sense whatsoever. But it's, it's just no it's, sense in the first one. It's just way. terrible. It's not literally headache-inducing. Yeah. Meanwhile, stunt dogs. I couldn't get through a full episode. Yeah, fair. Um, and then finally, pole position, which deserves oh, uh, to go a little bit higher, I think. Uh, well, uh, directly above uh, the new Archies is Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Yeah, that's what I'm considering right now. I could understand what was happening in Rock and Wrestling, and it has more novelty factor. Yeah. But I think it is definitely better than New Archies. Yeah, I'd definitely not watch another episode of New Archies over Pole Position. Okay. Well, that's all said and done. So Pole Position is at number 34. Uh, Stunt Dogs is at number 51. And Super Day of Dear Devil Hire is at 37. Uh, with Speed Racer X at number 4 on the DNQ list. Nice. God, that was painful. So, yep, yeah, that ties up this episode. Uh... Despite doing double the cartoons, this still ended up being pretty much the same length as a normal episode because hey, I told garbage. you it would. Yeah, uh, if you we were worried en- that it might come in lower. Yeah, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, then uh, please give us a like on iTunes, give us a five star review, etc. Uh, subscribe if you haven't. You can do that through any podcatcher of your choice, or through iTunes or Google Play Podcasts if you have that. We are on there, despite it not being available in the UK. Um, and also check out our Twitter feed at Mostly Kobolds. I'm at the helm of that now, so that's going to be terrifying for you all. Oh, God. Um, and you can also contact us directly, mostlykobolds at gmail.com or through that aforementioned Twitter or through Mark's Mastodon page, V-O-R-D-U-S at mastodon.social. We'll be back uh, next time with hopefully something better than this. This was a real fucking downer to go on after the wonders of uh, last episode, honestly. Oh, God. I feel like at this point, the episode artwork should no longer be your wonderfully reconstructed D logo, but just a motivational poster of a cat hanging off a tree saying, Hang in there, baby. <laughs> well,. Let's put it this way, we've at least knocked four out of the... Uh... Yeah, that's at least got done four in one go. That's I, I feel like we should probably start doing that more. No, no, Once we get we into the, not... I mean, we're, we're starting we... to scrape the bottom of the barrel here now. We're starting to get into the real, like, shit ones. I feel like, at this point, we should probably start combining them just to get them out of the fucking way. Uh, only if we hit another two that we can't do anything with. Fair, fair. But yeah, that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening and see you later.